I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello, you're very welcome to The Tonight Show. Well, debate sparks over mandatory hotel quarantine. Joining us to discuss this and the latest COVID cases is President of the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland and Infectious Diseases Consultant at Cork University Hospital, Professor Mary Horgan. Vaccine decision based on science, says Education Minister Norma Foley as she defends the government decision to change the vaccine rollout schedule. Minister of State for Disabilities, Anne Rabbit, Labour leader Alan Kelly and General Secretary of the ASTI, Kieran Christie, will be here to discuss the escalating row between teachers' union and the government. And later, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College Dublin, Luke O'Neill joins us and pharmacist Kate O'Connell will also be here as AstraZeneca vaccine concerns return to the spotlight. Get in touch on Twitter or hashtag tonight VMTV. with a further nine COVID-related deaths and 443 new cases of the disease notified to the Department of Health today. We're joined by President of the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland and Infectious Diseases Consultant at Cork University Hospital, Professor Mary Horgan. Professor, you're very welcome to the programme. Given the fact that we are dealing with this new, very transmissible variant, given the fact that we are now hoping to start reopening society from next Monday, albeit very slowly, is there an opportunity at this point for those numbers to fall much further? Well, there has been a slight decrease in the numbers over the past few days. What's also important is that the numbers in hospitals continue to decrease, and that's really, really important because one of the fundamental reasons we have lockdown is because of the impact it's had on people dying, but also on people in hospitals, including the ICU. And those numbers are significantly fall, have fallen, probably thanks to the vaccine and indeed the work of uh, the public in, in um, sticking to the restrictions that are in place. But in terms of sort of the daily case numbers, I know you say they fell but, you know, it's only marginal and it has taken a significant period of time, given the fact that we are due to start reopening the society next Monday. Do you think that there's still a scope at this point for them to fall much further? Or is this the numbers that we, you know, have to learn to live with until we have enough of the vaccine rolled out? We may need to uh, live with these numbers. You have to remember, Kira, too, that they opened a number of walk-in centres in areas where there has been high prevalence. 
and the number of positivity um, uh, people with positive tests there has been about three to four percent. So that's added to the numbers. In many respects, it's really good that these centres are open. I think we should be testing as much as we can. About 40 percent of the people with this infection have no symptoms. So the more we test, the more we find and the more we can contain the infection. And that's why not only the walk-in centres, the huge amount of PCR testing that's been done, but the rapid testing report that was submitted to government last week um, to expand the amount of testing we're doing is really, really important. So I do think that there is scope to open uh, slowly, um, safely, uh, but and sustainably. Um, speaking of rapid uh, testing, I'm wondering what you make of the UK's approach to this. They've announced that they're going to send uh, antigen testings to every household in the UK for the inhabitants of those households to use if and when they deem necessary. Yes, I think this is should be part of our strategy. It's not a substitution to anything else. It's an additional tool to really see if we can find those asymptomatic cases, which, un, uh, you know, people unknowingly spread the infection. And this is one of the tools that we can use to do that. Like all tests, it's a point in time. It tests something different from uh, PCR in that it tests protein, uh, that is formed by replicating virus. So it can help identify those that are infectious and potentially can pass it on to other people. So yes, it's an additional mitigation strategy along with the normal um, testing we, we do as well as all the public health measures and the vaccine, which will rapidly increase. I mean, there's been a lot of good news um, stories over the last few weeks. We've more and more vaccines coming out. Um, fewer deaths, fewer people in hospitals. Uh, we're coming into the spring, uh, our ability to um, live more outdoors, if you call it that way. Um, we know there's clear evidence that outdoor living is much, much safer than indoor living. And this is all good news for us coming into the spring and summer. Um, the Tanisha was speaking yesterday about those who have been fully vaccinated, that they might get to a point where they could enjoy some additional freedoms. He spoke about a digital green uh, passport for the fully vaccinated. Would you support uh, this idea? And if so, what kind of freedoms do you think people could look forward to? Yeah, this is like a, va a vaccine bonus. What's what's the incentive for us to have it um, individually as well as collectively? And certainly in the US, they have allowed what we're doing now um, from the 12th of April, April is allowing um, two households to meet if they've been vaccinated. In the US, they also allow flights within the country. So there needs to be bonuses because we know that the vaccines not only prevent serious illness, we now know that they, um, they uh, uh, reduce uh, infectiousness from one person to another. So that's all really good news. So I certainly would welcome uh, bonuses that are associated with the vac vaccination once um, people are fortunate enough to get it. And what do you think some of those additional bonuses could be? You mentioned there in the US they're allowed to fly internally. Should you be allowed to travel internally um, right across the country in Ireland, for example? Potentially, I think we would need to have more people vaccinated than they are now. It would be nice to be able to do intercounty travel as soon as we can so that we can visit um, our, our, our families um, safely. We can enjoy our lovely country. Um, 
in in uh, the EU, um, uh, the UK, or certainly in England, what they're trying to do is open further so that with your vaccine and with a negative rapid test, you can do more, um, perhaps do um, more hospitality, uh, like going to restaurants. Um, uh, so, so these are all things we need to explore. We need to look at the experiences of other countries um, and when it is safe to do so, when our numbers appear low, particularly in hospitals, we need to see how we can open up um, our, our country um, more than we have been able to. Obviously, it has been a very difficult few months for everyone in the country. For me as a um, health, uh, frontline healthcare worker, I can say that on behalf of myself and all my colleagues in the um, frontline. It has been very difficult, but we're clearly getting to a much better place. Speaking of the vaccine there. There's obviously a new vaccine rollout schedule. Do you agree with the approach that Nayak has recommended? Well, I know the science and I know um, my experience on a very difficult uh, third wave is that the one thing that really stood out was age. The older you are getting the infection, um, the more likely you are to either be in hospital or indeed um, die from it. So the science shows that the uh, vaccinating uh, by age really, really does work in preventing um, bad outcomes from, from um, infection. So NIAC, um, along with NEFID, do go with the science. They um, do see what's best for the population in general. So uh, and vaccinating those people by age seems to be the best strategy at this point in time. All right, um, we're going to leave it there. But Professor Mary Horgan, thanks for your time this evening. You're welcome. Now joining me in studio is Minister of State for Disabilities in the Department of Children and Rabbit and Labour leader Alan Kelly. You're both very welcome to the programme. And I want to start with you, um, the Tanisha, talking about this digital green certificate. How serious is the government about providing this vaccine bonus and at what stage are they at? Well, I think they're very serious about it because when you hear what, where are we going to with the over 70 or the over 70s that are vaccinated, that is a clear indication that that's the pathway we plan to continue on. And I do think we have to give hope to everybody as well and to reward the hard work that everybody has done. And that's a real indication as well to the economy that we want to open it up and we try to get back to as much normality as possible. But when do you think it'll be actually up and running? When will people have a physical certificate in their hand or on their phone or whatever way it's going to be rolled? I think it'll happen in, uh, as we see the vaccination rollout take place. So you, you're probably looking at when you're talking about the 70 or 80 percent of the population being vaccinated on their first doses, you will see progress happening along there. So we'll be waiting till probably June? Possibly. Uh, Alan, would you have any concerns about um, a certificate like this? A, that we have to wait perhaps until 70 and 80 percent of the population are vaccinated, but also would you have concerns that it's going to create you know, two tiers? Those who are vaccinated have freedoms, those who aren't vaccinated simply do not. Yeah, Kira, I've repeatedly asked about this actually in the Dáil, going back months, um, to know if we're preparing for this, uh, because outside of the fact that you know it will be good for people who get vaccinated to have a bonus and you know especially the elderly now they've suffered so much my real issue is on numerous occasions a government 
this government is actually way behind the curve the length of time it takes them. So I asked specific questions relating to this in the last week. You know, there's a serious element of IT to this, you know, personal data, legal issues. There are, there are really tricky issues as regards civil liberties here and treating two people differently, you know, for various different reasons. There could be different stages of vaccination or in some very small amount of cases, some people might be able to get vaccinated. So these are all really tricky mm. issues that have to be gone through. And I've asked repeatedly, is all the work going into this? Because we need to be on parallel with other European countries in particular, and dare I say it, the US, and other trading countries as well, um, so that we can actually fit in with what they're doing as well. I hope it's been done in a pan-European uh, level as well, because obviously, if you know, if Britain has one system, EU has another system, you know, the US has another system, that'll be you know, an issue of interoperability. And have you been given those assurances? Well, what I was told last, last week by the government is that they have a whole range of different, um, I suppose, project teams working on the legal issues, the IT issues, the health issues, um, all of that timelines. And I was assured that it is in place and will be delivered. Timelines, I presume it goes with the, if the three million vaccines happen over the next three months. So uh, if that's delivered, we'll see. And are you confident about those three million vaccines being delivered in the next three months, seeing as we've been just told that the one million we were promised for April not arriving is going to be 860,000? Yeah, I mean, in the doll last week, the Taoiseach told me that, uh, and there was a hullabaloo afterwards about the 140, but it was very clear to me, to be fair, that it was going to be slightly less this month and more the following month and level off then. In, in June, but hope, hoping that Janssen and, dare I say, potentially other vaccines will be well on stream by then. So I have to accept, now the track record isn't great, but I have to, I have to accept that in fairness, that is what we're being told. Um, you know, we're all hoping that this will be delivered. You know, I've worked with the government. We in the Labour Party have always been constructive and worked with the government. So we hope it does happen. You know, I facilitated the Taoiseach to speak to the chief executive of Johnson & Johnson a number of weeks ago myself because I thought it was the right thing for him to do. So I organised that for him. So we're all playing our part. So hopefully the vaccines will come on schedule. You sound very confident or trustworthy of the government this evening, but you don't sound that trustworthy when you're challenging Stephen Donnelly in the dialogue you have done in the last couple of weeks. Well, you have to you have to accept what you're being told. I'm not going to second guess the figures that are being put forward. I've always said to Stephen Donnelly a number of things. Firstly, you know, tell us the figures. Transparency is actually his friend. If he is open with us, you know, we have to accept that. But secondly, you know, if you ask for something and he says, oh, I'm going to absolutely give you a note on that. And you repeatedly remind him, I was only looking for the projections for the next two weeks. And I'd asked it three weeks in a row. And he didn't even bother have the courtesy to actually reply. I'm sorry, but he's accountable to Dal Aaron. And I will say one other thing about uh, Stephen Donnelly, in fairness, to be balanced, I don't think he should be doing mandatory hotel quarantine. And I don't think he should be in charge of the vac vaccines. I remember six months ago, I said that we should have separate minister for vaccines. Some people ridiculed me. I believe the majority of people believe that would have been the right thing to do now. Uh, and I believe that, in fairness to Alan, has been constructive all the way through in relation and supportive as every time he stood up in the doll about our rollout and has given us the leverage. And supply has been an issue. We none of us will shy back from that. Supply has been an issue. But and the track record hasn't been great no, in delivering it hasn't, the but numbers. But you know what? It has been teething issues, is what I would like to say. But going forward, as we're ramping up and we're coming into April, May, and June, and it's most important to give people the hope that the plan is that we will deliver these 860,000 over 1.1 in May and the other million in June. And 70%, hopefully, of the population will be vaccinated by the end. Uh, let's talk about mandatory whole, um, hotel quarantine. I want to talk about um, what your colleague, uh, Paul McAuliffe, had to say. Uh, 
today because obviously we know that Simon Coveney said, look, one of the issues with putting France, I think was the country they were talking about, on this mandatory hotel quarantine list is that there's a number of Irish students doing Erasmus uh, in France uh, at the moment. And Paul McAuliffe said uh, the reluctance of Fine Gael to support mandatory hotel quarantine for those EU countries might be down to the demographic of their constituencies. He says not many children in his constituency uh, are in France of Erasmus. Is that a real dig at your government colleagues? Um, well, Paul is speaking about his constituents in his in his area. So Paul is entitled to his view completely. I think both ministers are going to work this out very, very clearly together. Minister Donnelly and Minister Coveney. It's a health issues versus diplomacy. There's a lot of, uh, of issues at stake here. Like this is only something that's here in law since the 7th of March. No different than the rollout of the vaccines. There is a lot of teething issues on this. Uh, and to be fair, I do think both ministers are more than capable of working this out. But is there a split between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael on their approach to mandatory hotel quarantine? Because that's what it looks like at the moment. Um, I know that's what it looks like, but absolutely not. Both ministers are going to work very clearly together to ensure... And there's an awful lot to be worked out in the mandatory hotel quarantine. Like, really where it was coming from, there was another 73 countries being presented, which is nearly half the globe, that we were going to have into hotel quarantine on this. And to be honest with you, we have to look at the capacity issue. We have to look at what they're also doing in Norway, that after five days of going into hotel quarantine, if you have a positive PCR test, you, you're, you're removed from that. You also well, have to look at the home quarantine as well. Like, there has to be sort of a balance within it all. Alan, what did you make of this row? There's a massive split in government. Um, there's reports tonight, um, Jennifer Bray has it in the Irish Times, uh, about um, a meeting of senior officials across all the departments and big row in relation to where this is going. Seems to split, by the way, in relation to whether the department is Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael. Maybe that's just coincidence. But there is a massive row here. And the real issue here is, you know, if you're following public health advice, you're either following public health advice uh, or you're not. And if you're doing mandatory hotel quarantine, you either do it right What's the point in doing it? Because so very, you would support absolutely hotel quarantine we, we, for the United yes, States and yes, all those other yes, EU we, countries. Yes, we have said this for a number of period of time. But there's one thing being forgotten here, which I'd, I'd like to bring out, is that when we passed this legislation, now seemingly the AG has some legal issues as well. There's no e legal issues presented to Dáil Éireann, so that actually mm -hmm. would would, be, would would misrepresent, in fairness, Dáil Éireann. So I don't know where they're coming from. But there's another issue here. We passed this legislation 7th of March. It's to be reviewed in three months' time. So what is actually being proposed uh, by Stephen Donnelly, and I'm supporting him here, is that this will be all reviewed in three months' time. So we really have any short period of time. So if we're going to spend weeks and weeks, possibly months, deciding what countries, we're defeating the purpose. It's actually falling over. It's, 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 not, it's a waste of time. It's not going to work. It's a waste of time. <laughs> it's falling over. There's a massive split in government. No, not at all. I think really what we really need to pair back what this issue is about. And really what we're seeing over, across Europe, when you look at Italy, Germany and France, like the, 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 the virus is rampant at this moment in time. And we have spent so long putting down our, yeah. our marker, trying to protect the state. That in actual fact, what we really want to see, and, I, and I'm very supportive of where Stephen is on this, in actual so fact- So you're camp health, Stephen Donnelly? Well, no, uh, no, health has to trump everything else. I so agree. in relation to the Maastricht, and we've debated this at second stage and throughout the doll and everything else, the various elements, the legal sides and everything else, this is all being debated. So we really have to put public health and the Irish public health first, front and centre. But there, there is a real issue here, Keir. What's probably going to happen here? 
You could nearly project it. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen is the cabinet will make next Tuesday. There'll be a compromise, which will be a waste of time. Which will be there'll be one tier of mandatory hotel quarantine for Botswana, but there'll be a mandatory or quarantine at home for the likes of Germany, Italy, uh, and everyone else. I and I'm sorry, no, but on Gardaíshia Corner, I'm not. Have no intention, and they shouldn't be put is towards checking on that because it's not going to happen. And is that what do you think is going to happen here? Will uh, there uh, have to be a compromise? And we're going to see people coming in from France and Germany and Italy. And I also think we have to look. Home. Is that also, what's going to happen? I also think we need to look at what is available as the, the Norway model as well. We need to look at that idea of that everybody would go so through. Would everybody would go through, through quarantine and the PCR test on day five as opposed to day ten? I think treat everybody equally. And as so is Alan right? Then there's going to be some sort of a fudge here. So that Stephen Donnelly and Simon Coveney are both happy-ish with the outcome. I'm not a cabinet, so I wouldn't be at liberty to say, but I do think sense will prevail. I, I look, unless there's hotel quarantine uh, mandatory for everyone who's yes, coming into equally. this country, equally, I agree with Anne, equally, well then this whole system is a failure. And you know what? The government have had enough opportunities. For example, what happened in December, and we all know where we ended up. Like, this could be another example we cannot rule out that we'll have another wave. There are variants going on across Europe, which we don't know enough about. So really, we have to be very strict in relation to this. And if we're not going to do it right, well, then the government saying they're going to do it half-baked isn't uh, going to Very work. briefly, if we're not going to do it right, um, we shouldn't do it at all. One of the things we don't seem to be doing at this point is rapid antigen testing. And you heard uh, Professor Mary Horgan there, an advisor to NEFIT, saying they have recommended it, yes. agreeing with what they're doing in the UK, sending out kits at home, um, and still and still, we don't seem to have it operational in Ireland. And, and to be fair to Stephen Donnelly, he was the one that brought Mark Ferguson, Mary Horgan and others on board. He asked them to produce a, a, a report on it. He has taken that totally on board. And to be fair, I do think uh, Minister Harris came out as well on Friday morning and says he's going to pilot it out in the universities. Seven months ago, I think it was, I stood up in Dáil. In fact, it's so long ago we were still in Leinster House and I produced an antigen test and I asked, why aren't we using these? They're such a tool to be used. I do them every week myself after returning from Dublin uh, to make sure that, you know, because if you do them on a regular interval, they're far more productive. They should have been used a long time ago. It's just another example of being very slow coming to the table with some solutions. All right, help. we're going to have to leave it there for now, but Minister Rabbit and Labour leader Alan Kelly are going to be staying with us because after the break, the Education Minister Norma Foley came under pressure today to deliver a U-turn on teacher COVID vaccinations. We're going to be hearing from the ASTA. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
very welcome back. Now with a row bubbling between the Education Minister and Teachers Unions over changes to the vaccine rollout programme, Minister of State for Disabilities Anne Rabbit and Labour leader Alan Kelly are still with me here in studio and joining via Skype is General Secretary of the ASTI, Kieran Christie. Kieran, you're very welcome to the programme. Um, the Education Minister was addressing the INTO conference uh, this afternoon. She said, look, I acknowledge the disappointment of teachers but the decision, she said, was underpinned by the best international medical evidence that age is the strongest predictor of somebody ending up in hospital, ending up in ICU or dying from COVID-19. And that's why the change has been made. Doesn't sound like she's going to change her mind on this. Good evening, Kira. Uh, look, um, I looked uh, somewhat aghast at what the minister had to say this evening uh, in relation to the decision uh, she even went so far as to say that, you know, the decision was based on new evidence, then went on to say that it was in relation to the outcomes for older people. Now, most people and most of your audience looking in would know that we gleaned that very early in this pandemic. And by early summer, I doubt if you'd have found anybody walking the streets who wouldn't have been fit to give you a, a chapter and verse on that fact. Um, no, uh, this uh, needs to be reversed, Kira, for the simple reason that uh, a commitment was given to teachers and, uh, as far as I know, to other frontline workers that they would be in the first third of the population to be vaccinated. And uh, it's an there's an urgency about it because, uh, you know, these are frontline workers. And if I could use the comparison even of myself, who works in an office and has very little uh, exposure to the likelihood of securing uh, or, or becoming uh, exposed to the virus compared to teachers who work in schools of up to 1,000 people walking around and in classrooms 30 uh, and so on. Uh, it's a no-brainer that, that guards and teachers uh, should be vaccinated first. But just to be clear, to the Minister did say it's not a value judgment on your profession. It is simply science. And she said nobody out there would look to advance themselves ahead of another cohort, which the science shows is more vulnerable. And that's what this is based on. Look, Are you trying the, to advance the, your members ahead of those who perhaps are more vulnerable to death or serious illness from COVID-19? I'd say two things about that, Kira. The minister spent the day answering questions that she wasn't asked. Nobody's particularly arguing about a value judgment here. We're just saying it's, it's a poor judgment that the government had made in relation to this matter. And for the record, we have never asked or sought to climb uh, ahead of uh, uh, sectors of society, such as uh, health workers and so on, that are currently and, and just recently been vaccinated and people with underlying disabilities or, or whatever. What we've said and what we've uh, been adhering to has been advice that has been coming from the likes of the World Health Organization and UNESCO, mm -hmm. who have all argued that teachers should be prioritized in the lists once those groups that I've just mentioned have, have received All their right. vaccination. All right, Kieran. I want to uh, keep you on the line there, but I'm just going to go to um, Anne Rabbit here. And just looking at the rhetoric today, betrayal, crestfallen, brutal and sudden kick in the teeth. I mean, the government are in trouble here, aren't they? Can they withstand the pressure coming from the teacher unions? Will they change their mind? I think Minister Foley was very clear in her statement today. 
Um, she's very clear that um, the decision that was taken last week by Cabinet, um, that speed trumps perfection. It's going to be done on an age basis. I think for the last number of weeks, we have listened to a lot of the commentary about the slow rollout, while it might be to do with the, the amount of vaccines, but how slow we were in the delivery of it. The fact that we're now moving to 800,000, a million point one, one million. We need to be able to get it out in a very efficient way. And that's exactly what government are looking to do, that it's easier to manage from an age basis and that everybody does know, yes, it, 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 the science here is that the older person was most impacted. That's where but the... Kieran Christie said that was always the science. Absolutely. Nyack has always known that, and yet, notwithstanding that, an assurance was made to teachers. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest with you, assurance was made to an awful lot of cohorts. Cohort, other cohorts, I look at the earlier settings as well. Um, they have been there on the front line from the very beginning. We talk about the guards and where do we start? But it's not about where do we start. It's about getting the vaccine to people as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And it is now decided, and this is what Nike has presented, is that in order to do it, this is the best way to do it on an age basis. But what are you going to do if the teaching unions ballot their members tomorrow and we see that there is a threat of strike action, of industrial action, up to and including strike action? But when I listened to the way the Taoiseach presented it last week, uh, when, when I listened to how it was presented, was that the most vulnerable in all the various cohorts, whether they're the 65s or the teachers, the guards, they will get it first. The same way as you will see it with the shop assistant, the same way as you will see it with the taxi driver, the bus driver, we're treating everybody fairly and equally based on age. We're treating everybody fairly and equally based on age, Alan Kelly. And yet, you support the teaching unions tonight. Absolutely. And the Gardaí Síochána and the carers and a number of others, whether it comes to transport workers, for instance, they're legitimate as well. I have a real issue here, and the issue is this. In December, the Taoiseach stood up in Dáil Éireann. He said Nayak recommended uh, the following 15 cohorts. What has changed? Nothing has changed. What has changed now is this. There has been a systems failure, and the systems failure is identified because of cohort four. They weren't able to identify people, and they were going to spend so long identifying cohorts that it was going to affect the speed of the delivery. That is the truth here, right? It's not anything else. That, so, no, I so have to say, when you look, just, Alan, just to be clear, when you look at what the National Immunisation and Advisory Committee um, have said in their report, they say, look, the focus here must be on trying to prevent death, hospitalisations and ICU yeah. admissions. Yeah. And you are more likely to die be hospitalised if you are in your 50s as opposed to in your 20s, notwithstanding what your occupation but Keira, is. But Kira, that was the same in December. So why did they produce a 15? Why did the government produce a 15 working through NIAC and the and They did always say this was a fluid document, but, did they but, not, but, Alan? But, but, but wait a second, fluid within a few months? It changes that quickly? It, it, see, that would be fine if the variables had changed. But the variables haven't changed. Everything stays the same. The issue here is this. The issue here is capacity to vaccinate. And is we have no... Issue, wait, wait is real Just issue let me finish the point. We have no e-health system. We can't identify people in their cohorts. That is the real issue here. And that was going to actually affect the speed. So they've done it because of the fact there's been a lack of investment and time into identifying the and cohorts is that what in it the is? first place. Is it actually capacity and speed was the real issue here? And they're hiding behind this NIAC recommendation? That's not, what you're saying, not Alan. Not at all. Not I, at all. Look, Alan's entitled to his opinion. Absolutely. 
But I'm telling you, this is what is about getting it. Is, it. It speed trumps perfection. The perfect way of doing it absolutely would be to go down through the cohorts, would be actually to work our way through every single bit of, and try and bring fairness and balance to doing it through the cohorts. And, and I would have lobbied myself very clearly for the medically vulnerable. I would have looked for, for carers to become key workers and all of that. But you know what? They are doing it based on age. And I think that's a fair, equitable way of I, doing it. And it's an efficient, quick way of getting it. Th those, three, those three million jobs that are about to come into the I country are people, to people as quickly I know, as possible. I've been speaking to senior people in, in, in various different organisations in health, and they all know what I've just said to be true. The cohorts could not be identified. Okay. So, But there is, there is a, I would say, I, 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 would suggest that, I would suggest that what Antoinette Cunningham of the AJSI is saying, whereby those four or five groups are done in parallel in parallel with the last cohort. That might be the solution, hopefully, if we could actually do that. Because it's very easy okay, to identify teachers to and very easy to identify Gardaí shortly. Kieran Christie, I think, uh, Kieran Christie, you said you would be happy with teachers being done in parallel with those other age groups. But obviously, the people in the other age groups are going to be delayed in getting their vaccine if we decide to um, vaccinate guards, carers and teachers at the same time. Well, I, I think it's interesting because Minister Rabbit there, uh, I think I, I heard her saying that it would be easier to manage on an age basis and that speed trumps mm. perfection. And I think to some extent she's let the cat out of the bag because we've been suspecting in the last week that this is, as, as your other contributor there has been saying, about identification of cohorts. And there's no difficulty about identifying of teachers in Gardaí, for instance, because teaching council registration would be one way of doing it for teachers. And I suspect that there's a simple way of doing it for the likes of Gardaí as well. But the truth of the matter is that uh, this wouldn't require a big climb down on monumental scale by the uh, government either. Uh, level 9, as currently constructed under the new list, provides for workers in crowded settings. Now, a teacher in a classroom with 30 yeah, students, it'd be very difficult to describe that other than a crowded setting. So it is doable and right. it should be done. Uh, Kieran, I just want to go back to Anne Rabbit there. You disagree with that point? No, no, I was just saying, in actual fact, that was actually moved um, uh, in the beginning from accommodation. That really said accommodation the first day that that was produced, and it then went to, to settings. So there, that already has been identified. Um, it's Kieran, in crowded settings. Uh, Kieran, I know you're uh, going to be balloting your members tomorrow. What are you going to be encouraging them to do? Is it up to and including industrial action? Does that mean strike action? And do you expect that they are willing to follow through with that threat? Well, it would be slightly preemptive of me tonight to, to announce what will be decided tomorrow. But my expectation, and I would have a confident expectation, that the motion that is being put will be passed both by the STI and uh, the other teacher unions. And yes, it has an element of moving towards industrial action. Uh, there's been no discussion of what form that might take. And frankly, none of us want to go there. OK, what but I'm just listening to Anne Rabbit here. Anne, you just said, haven't the children of so Ireland... Have the children not suffered enough, Kieran, to be quite honest with you? Um, I think we get further with dialogue, to be honest with you, than actually going down the line Sorry, of withdrawing any Kieran, form of industrial action. I don't think it's, it's very okay. fair on, on children. Kieran, let's come back in there. Look, look, I've already qualified what I'm saying in that absolutely nobody wants to go there and we want common sense to prevail. And that's what we'll be working might and main together with our colleague unions and with, with FORSA, who, who represents special needs assistance uh, as well, to, to ensure that the relatively minor adjustment to the programme that has to be done will be done.
Uh, Alan, I just want to go back to one thing. You did say when we were discussing a mandatory hotel quarantine, science needs to be followed, NEFIT needs to be followed. Why shouldn't NIAC be followed here with their recommendation? No, Why first, is it different? Two, two things. Firstly, um, NIAC made two recommendations. No variables have changed. No one's infallible. All I'm saying, which I agreed with uh, your, your previous commentator and with Antoinette Cunningham, is that there is a last cohort. They can be done in parallel with that. And, you know, in fairness, that would slow down the vaccination well, well, not necessarily, for those who not, 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 be not, necessarily, not necessarily. And I think they're going to have to go down that road. Because in fairness, Anne said earlier on about dialogue, and I actually agree with her, but it's a bit much because there was no dialogue or communications with the unions before this happened. It was just landed, despite the fact they got a letter saying they were going to be done within the first 30%. So I think we're going to have to look at that for a solution. Okay. Uh, and I don't think there'll be any slowdown in relation to the vaccine as a result. And we have just a couple of seconds. Is there going to be dialogue? Are the government going to change their mind? Um, I think that'll be up to the unions to, to talk to Minister Foley okay. on and this. My wife is All a right. teacher, Kira. I don't believe I should be vaccinated before my wife. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. My thanks to Minister Anne Rabbit, Labour leader Alan Kelly and the ASTI's Kieran Christie. Uh, many thanks to them all. After the break, Professor Luke O'Neill on why the vaccine rollout is reaching pinch point. Very welcome back. Now joining me in studio is Professor of Biochemistry and Immunologist at Trinity College Dublin, Luke O'Neill and pharmacist Kate O'Connell. You're both very welcome to the programme. Um, I just want to ask you first of all, Luke, about this vaccine rollout row that seems to be heating up. Do you agree with NIAC's recommendation that age needs to be the priority? I hate the fighting, Kate. These are great vaccines. You know, we have four fantastic vaccines and there's bickering going on, you know. Well, it's true. We know age in spades. That's the big risk factor here without doubt, isn't it? A good one is if you're in your 50s, you have a six-fold increased risk of dying than in your 30s. There's one example, you know. But we also know teachers might get infected, might spread the virus into the community. A UK study showed that, by the way, the teachers are 1.9-fold more likely to be infected than the general population. How do you weigh those up? It's almost impossible. Well, how do you? That it's is very the question. Well, well, I was on a, a call today on COVID with the US. Teachers in New York were vaccinated. Those in California weren't. There's two states diametrically. They see the same date as everybody else. You know, Eventually, the Californian teachers went on strike, and guess what? They're getting vaccinated. And then Joe Biden said every teacher should be vaccinated. It's a very difficult question. I don't have any easy answers. Mm. I'd hate to be deciding this as a politician. It's really difficult. Uh, you were a politician. You may have been in government and you would have had to decide on this. What would you have done? Kate? I think I think it's like, like anything with this, you have to let NIAC decide because policymakers don't really have any place here because the evidence, as, as Luke just said, totally leads to the older you are, the more likely you are to become seriously ill and die from COVID. So we have to get the most value out of the vaccines that we have. We have a limited supply at the minute. We have to get them into arms. And we have to maximise the impact of the vaccines that we have. And this is not about people going on holidays. This is not about a passport. This is about protecting our public services mm -hmm. in terms of our health, but also our education and also our security in terms of the Gardaí as well. That we keep the show on the road with the vaccines that we have at the minute. But you must accept that politically this is very damaging. You had your Fine Gael colleague John Paul Phelan calling the Tanishta tone deaf at the weekend because of 
Finnegill's response and the government's response to this new vaccine schedule. And you can completely understand where the teachers are coming from because I think anybody who had to work in that unknown environment that has been the last year before the vaccines came out, before we knew where the end was, there was a huge amount of anxiety going to work in the day. And for the teachers that were working and for when they were off work, but when they went back to work, the risk there was higher. And as Luke said, 1.9, three times higher if you're a special needs teacher of contracting COVID and also the risks with the Gardaí. So you can see the argument, but you have to stick with NIAC's advice. We need to get, these are the vaccines that are owned by the, the people of Ireland. They have to go to the place where the people of Ireland will get the most value out of the vaccines. Uh, speaking of the vaccines, uh, look, AstraZeneca, back in the headlines, back in the spotlight again today. The EMA have said, look, no firm link. They haven't confirmed that there is a link between AstraZeneca and, and blood clots, but one uh, official has told an Italian newspaper that they're going to. Um, how concerned should people be? Because people will be. That was a strange one, wasn't it? And then the EMA corrected them and said, hang on a minute, there isn't a link. So that's another disappointing development, isn't it? Every every day there seems to be news on that one. The so science, what is the truth there? One in 200,000 chance of a clot, right? If you get COVID, you have a 40% chance of having a clot with severe disease. I mean, talk about a comparison there. The vaccine is stopping clots, you know. So but there's a tiny, tiny... The worst case scenario here, here is there will be a link. So rare, it won't stop the vaccine being used. That, that's a likely situation. And the EMA are going to, again, tell us on Thursday, I think, what their latest is. So remember, that's a good thing. They're, they're monitor there's monitoring happening all the time. There's new data coming into the EMA all the time. But I bet you it'll, it'll turn out to be there might be a link, there could well be, but not enough to stop the use of this vaccine, which is a marvellously successful, efficacious vaccine. But do you accept that this does unnerve people? It does. That's, that's the bad part, in a way. You know. But the Pfizer vaccine causes clots, by the way. People don't realise that at a very small level, there's some people who have had the Pfizer vaccine and had a clot. It doesn't mean the vaccine's causing the clot. You could blow that up into huge headlines as well, if you like, you know, so it's a strange one. We'd love a mechanism, by the way. Why are these tiny numbers of people getting clots? Because then you might find out if the vaccine's causing them or not for definite. So it's still a bit of a work in progress, but I'm pretty sure the EMA, I hope the EMA will say, keep using this vaccine. The world needs this vaccine. Remember, the developing world especially needs AstraZeneca. So if they stop it, that would be a disaster. Uh, Kate O'Connell, you wish they would stop branding vaccines. You say, you know, we shouldn't know that there's an AstraZeneca and a Johnson & Johnson and a Sputnik. I mean, when it comes to other vaccines, we don't. We just know yeah, they're vaccines. And, and generally in pharma in Ireland, we don't discuss things in terms of brand. And I, I'm not sure how this emerged. And it has led to, as, as Luke said, you know, there are issues with other va vaccines as well, the Pfizer's and the clots and other, and other issues that come up with all medicines. You'll have have side effects, but it appears that in, the, in this case that the Astra in particular um, is being honed in on an actual branding of vaccines in general. Um, I think any vaccine that gets through the trial process um, and has got through the trial process is safe for use. And we have the EMA and we also have the MHRA in the UK working on this as well with their own data after I think it's 19 million doses given. So there is very good data coming in, but this is only normal with a new medicine that there's post-marketing authorization, that there's new data and that we look at it's very important to find out what the pathway is for the, for the clots. And if there are particular patient cohorts that may need to be isolated from certain um, vaccine groups. I've had the Astra vaccine myself um, as a frontline worker. You've had the first shot or both? First, oh, first shot. And um, I would encourage anyone who's offered it to get it because um, the risks with COVID and what we're seeing and the results of the infections at Christmas now, we're seeing the long COVID from those patients and the impacts on their lives. And, and I know you just don't, you would take you just don't want to get COVID. You just yep. don't want to get COVID. 
Exactly. The, see, the benefit is massive, remember, and the risk is high if you don't. And anybody sensible would say, I'll have any vaccine I'm offered. All the vaccines stop severe disease and death, you see, and, and, and the risk of that is quite high in certain people. Hence, we should take any vaccine we're offered. Can I ask you about the story in the Irish Times yesterday about outdoor transmission and the 0.1% of cases that the HSPC said um, could be linked back to outdoor transmission. Now, Dr. Colm Henry today has said that's a misleading figure. Would you agree with it that? It seems a bit low. It's hard to get an exact number on that. I mean, there's lots of studies on this, by the way. We know already outdoors is great. 19-fold decrease risk has been settled upon, which is a big effect, by the way. That, that's a bit less than 0.1%, if you know what I mean, in those numbers. It's very hard to pin an exact number. But the bottom line is outdoors is really, really safe. I mean, everybody should remember, stay outdoors, please. In the coming weeks and months, people move outdoors. The restaurants should move outdoors. That's a great, the government are going to subsidise outdoor dining. That's a great move. Do you think this figure from the HSPC should influence the government's approach to allowing more outdoor activity? Yeah, that'd be good, even if it is exaggerated. Because <laughs> we know you outdoors still think it's is safe. great. Yeah, absolutely safe. Yeah. Now, the thing to watch for, though, it's not as if it's a bulletproof situation, because if you're close contact with someone in a crowd outdoors, there's a risk with that. It's all about close contact and, and crowds, really, indoors and outdoors. There's still a risk outdoors. It's not completely gone. But if you've got a good spacing, the usual thing, social distancing, wear a mask outdoors if you're in a crowd, for definite, because that might spread, especially with the B117, which is 50% more transmissible. So it makes sense to adopt all these measures even more. What about outdoor how does wearing a mask and uh, mixing with people apply then? If, if it's well spaced, it's fine. Remember, it's a two metre rule, good tables apart from each other. Even better, if it's like breeze, that's fantastic as it blows away. It wasn't, there was an analogy in that report saying like cigarette smoke, that's a good analogy. You know, outdoors, you're less likely to smell cigarette smoke in these situations, and, and that really is a risk de you know, demitigator. Uh, then would you allow outdoor dining, let's say, or outdoor drinking to begin in May, perhaps? I would, well, in June. That was my prediction. Yeah, we should be in the beer gardens. I'm sticking to that one. Um, Look, you no promised reason. in this studio well, 12 months ago and you'll well, be held well, to the production of the beer we'll, we'll garden up, by June. We'll, we'll knock down the walls and have a pint together here if it happens. <laughs> but, um, but the thing about this is it's very clear now, you know, that, that the vaccine campaign will begin to work. The great news is there will be millions and millions of doses of these vaccines in Ireland in the coming two or three months. I've got full confidence in that. 600,000 from Johnson & Johnson. That's 1.2 million in a way because it's a single dose. You know, you can imagine so, in other words, that's a massive amount of vaccine. And the government have predicted this as well, by the way. Uh, that's outdoor. What about indoor? Indoor dining, indoor pub use, indoor meeting? That's still meeting. difficult. There's no question indoors is still dangerous, unless the ventilation is like the outdoors. And even then, you'd want good spacing. So, I can't see us moving back towards anything indoors for, for a few months anyway, you know, because it's still a risky thing to do. Will it happen this summer, June, July, do you think? Or more likely, kind of September? You may see moving indoors with maybe 25% occupancy well spaced out. That might be September, maybe, that kind of time frame. We need to be careful still, especially with the more transmissible variant, remember. That will jump more readily anywhere, indoors or outdoors. So we've got to get even more stringent about the indoor situation. Um, Luke, painting a lovely picture there about all the vaccines that are coming into this country. Are pharmacists, Kate, because you're a pharmacist, are they completely on board? Are they now ready and waiting to go and start administering these vaccines? Well, we're trying to get on board. So there's, just, I suppose, two work streams. We're applying as vaccinators for the mass centres, but also um, expressions of interest for vaccination um, in the community pharmacy have to be in by Friday. So many pharmacies who roll out flu 
vaccine programmes are hoping to provide a COVID vaccination programme um, in a safe environment to get through that supply that we hope is coming in over the next few months. And we've been ready since the start and we've run, I suppose we've had a dry run with the flu campaign because we've been vaccinating in a level five um, for, for most of it. So we know how to do it and we're ready to go and we're experienced um, and we're looking forward to it. Um, I suppose... It's about not squandering the opportunity we have now, where we have the vaccines, where we have the variants under control to some extent. We have some control on our borders. And that I think now we just need to equip people to live um, with the risk of COVID, not necessarily live with COVID, but, but empower people to live outside where there's ventilation. Many of us have been working in highly ventilated uh, environments for the last year and have avoided getting COVID. It seems to be key, the ventilation. Very quickly, um, some control of our borders, and we had a big discussion there about mandatory hotel quarantine needing to be applied to other European countries in the United States. What's your take, Luke? There needs to be consistency across Europe, obviously. That's one. It seems very political, in a sense. If, if we were fully in charge of ourselves, we like New Zealand, cut off the borders, especially with these new variants. We can't do that for all these complex reasons that are beyond my pay grade for a start. Our only concern, in my own opinion, the vaccines are working great. Supply will not be an issue. The next concern is the variants. We focus on them now. The good news there is the vaccine should work against them. Get this, this is the latest news on this. You may still catch a variant with the, with the old vaccine, but you won't get severe disease. So in other right. words, it may not progress into severe. That's the hope. But it's something we've got to keep a very close eye on. OK, let's end on a positive note. I think we're going to leave it there. But my thanks to Professor Luke O'Neill and to Kate O'Connell. The next News Bulletin on Ireland AM at 7am. Matt Cooper will be here tomorrow night at 10pm. Until then, good night. Stay safe. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.